Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Smart Money Circle. I'm your host, Adam Sarhan. With me today is Colin Carter, Managing Director at Tiedemann Advisors with approximately $20 billion in assets under management. Colin, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. So I always like to begin, Colin, can you give us a little background about your, uh, really how you got started in the business? Sure. I got started in the business roughly 30 years ago. I came out of grad school from the University of Texas, and I started at Goldman Sachs in 1988 on their fixed income desk, which was known at the time as their liquid capital markets desk. Spent roughly three or four years there covering institutional clients. And then within Goldman, I switched to the private client side and spent the next six years there at Goldman and left in 99 to go to Merrill Lynch. Uh, I spent five years at Merrill Lynch in their high net worth group. And then in 2003, I joined a college roommate of mine from grad school and was basically, you know, on the ground floor for the creation of a firm called Presidio. And Presidio was a registered investment advisor. And in the early 2000s, it was relatively a new concept to be independent from the big Wall Street firms. And fast forwarding to 2016, uh, Presidio merged with Tiedemann Advisors in September of 2016. And that brings me to where I am today. Nice, very nice. And can you tell us a little about your investment strategy? Sure. You, you know, I'm an asset allocator, Adam. At the end of the day, not not a stock picker. The, the, our our whole strategy at Tiedemann is really managing risk, okay. and whether we're managing volatility of the equity market or managing interest rate risk or credit risk in the bond markets or other types of risks, our role is to make sure our clients achieve whatever they're looking to achieve in the capital markets on a risk adjusted basis. If we get the risk equation right, we believe returns will take care of themselves. Right. And what we see, what I've seen too many times over the years is investors at the beginning of the process don't know what to expect from the capital markets. And as a result, when times get tough, they tend to bail out at the wrong time. Right. <laughs> so what we try to do is educate folks from beginning to end and every point in between so they can stay the course. And I love that. So that's a good segue to my next question. How do you handle risk? And then what are some timeless mistakes you see people make with respect to risk management? Well, it, it's not understanding risk, Adam. And in our view, the capital markets long-term, if you have a properly constructed portfolio, you don't necessarily have risk you have volatility issues. And risk we define as buying an asset that goes to zero. If we do our job right, (laughs) we don't buy assets that go to zero. And all we have to deal with are values going up and then occasionally down. And when they go down, define that as volatility and not the loss of capital. And they're two very different ideas that we need to really educate our clients about. Yeah. Can you educate us a little bit about the difference? Like, kind of an understanding of where you're going, but I'd like to hear from you if possible. Yeah, yeah, you know, again, um, buying a risky asset is buying an asset that could go to zero or get permanently impaired and it doesn't come back in value. When we look at the volatility at the portfolio level, what we try to help folks understand is you can accept a decline in market value. The, The securities, the positions that we own will come back in the course of time We'll make adjustments in more volatile periods, right. but understanding that prices go up and down is just part of investing. What scares people when prices go down and they don't rebound 
That's right. when they get out and they, they suffer permanent loss of capital. So help me understand something here. So if you buy, let's say you, you're interested in buying stocks and you buy Apple, for example, the odds of Apple going to zero are relatively close, close to zero. So you're saying, okay, if we, let's say you buy it at 100 and it goes down to 50, you're down 50%, but you'd view that as being just a part of the longer term process. And it's just volatility within owning the stock. Because if it goes up to 150, you'd be up 50% from the initial entry. And that's part of it as well. Is that correct? Right. Right. And in and, 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 and your, your case is a little bit extreme because you have single stock risk. Okay. So we try to diversify that risk away from folks getting too fixated on one position in the portfolio. And you have to look at the portfolio in its entirety. But your example for apples can, can also apply in the sense that if you tell a client up front that, sure, Apple can go down 50%, but understand over the long run, over the next five or 10 years, it's gonna recover and it'll be worth more than $100 right. in the future. Yeah. So preparing them for the rainy day is really important. Setting expectations upfront of what can happen is important. Understood. And when, when, we, when we talk to our clients upfront, we try to model out to the best of our ability, the worst case scenario. So if it does transpire, they're prepared for it, we increase our credibility by having them understand up front this can happen. Right. Now that makes perfect sense. So, as an asset allocator, you're not. I'm assuming you're not looking specifically at individual stocks. You're looking at just a, a better way of allocating. You'd go into sectors and other areas, commodities and currencies and things of that nature. Or how would you allocate? Yeah, and we we, we divide assets up into three primary categories. Mm -hmm. First are, are what we call stability assets, which are your high grade corporate bonds, your high-grade munis, and cash. Okay. Then the second bucket we have is the diversified bucket, which can be non-rated munis, uh, certain credit situations, distressed credit. It, it includes gold. Um, it can be uh, high yield as well. But in this diversified bucket, it is intended to be assets that are less correlated with interest rates okay. and less correlated with stocks. And the equity bucket or the growth bucket is stocks and private equity. Got it. Okay. Equity bucket. So there's the stability bucket, the diversified bucket, and then the equity bucket. Uh, yeah, growth bucket. Oh, the growth bucket. Sorry. Okay. Yes. So growth bucket. Perfect. And then that would be stocks and P and private equity. Yeah. Got it. Okay, great. So as far as um, selling discipline, how would you, if the environment changes, let's say whether we go into a recession or we go into a bear market that's protracted for whatever reason, or COVID like we're in now or whatever the case may be, do you change the allocations uh, quarterly? Is it annual or is it depending on market action or how do you, you know, change the uh, allocations? Yeah, good, good question, Adam. You know, we meet with our clients four times a year. We, we report to them as we would a board. So our changes tend to be more incremental Okay. But, you know, fast forwarding to where we are today and how we got to our current allocation, we've been reducing the our exposure to the stability bucket okay. gradually over the last two years of yields have slid down. And, you know, right now with interest rates at or close to an all time high, we're underweight interest rent interest rate sensitive securities. Most of the capital in that bucket has shifted to the diversified bucket where we're willing to take on more credit risk now and less interest rate risk. Okay. So 
the, the, our, our adjustments tend to be strategic. Uh, making tactical changes in this environment is really difficult. It's not impossible, right. but a lot, of, a lot of those tactical changes are made at the manager level. Understood. So you hire other managers. Selection. Understood. Other managers, then you'd allocate to them, and then they'd take care of the specifics. Correct. Understood. So what are some timeless lessons, Colin, you've learned along the way that you'd like to share with the audience with respect to investing or money or anything along those lines? Yeah, you know, I think in terms with respect to in, investing, it, you know, it's it's helping folks understand what they're trying to achieve day one, okay, and that it, it's it's a process, and there are no shortcuts. Right. You, I mean, you have to be involved, you know, year in and year out. It is impossible to time the market, and before you set off on, you know, really developing and creating an investment portfolio. Make sure you have a roadmap of what you're trying to achieve with your capital over time. Because if you don't, and if you set out down a road, you have no idea where you're going to end up. Yeah. You have no idea how to make adjustments. And you need to understand and have the data to make the right decisions and the appropriate decisions over a long period of time. Right. And you know, nothing set in stone, but an investment policy statement for individuals is critical and they can be modified, but you just, you don't modify them in the eye of the storm. You know, when we had this giant sell-off, this historic sell-off in April, March and April of 2020, right. that's not the time to be making adjustments to your portfolio. Right. You make adjustments before you get in those time periods so that you can stay the course and do the you know tax loss harvest or do some rebalancing in those periods but you know you, you want to avoid the panic scenario that you read about way too often now that's a great idea so as far as coming up with a policy for each investor and create a policy or a roadmap for yourself what are some uh i guess do's and don'ts if you will to educate the audience a little bit about things they should do to create a good roadmap or things they shouldn't do well you know you, you know have a handle on how much you plan to disperse or pull down from your portfolio, right? You know, how much do you need to, you know, maintain your lifestyle, put kids through college and have an idea of what's gonna be demanded of your portfolio. Mm -hmm. then, then once you do that, you're better able to construct a risk framework around that portfolio so that, you know, your advisor could help model something to suggest that if your portfolio drew down 10%, Mm -hmm. Is that going to change your outlook, your lifestyle? Is it going to impact you emotionally where you're going to abandon the strategy? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, go down and test. Are you okay if the portfolio goes down 15%? Right. The answer is no, you can take on more long-term volatility risk. And again, we don't think it's a risky proposition to have more volatility in the portfolio, but you need to understand what it does, and ultimately what it buys you in terms of additional return long-term. Understood. No, that's really good advice. So what are some timeless mistakes you see people make and how do you recommend they avoid them? Well, uh, num number one, again, we, we've already hit on a few times. It's just the panic, right? <laughs> yep. Abandoning the portfolio. And I look at a publicly traded portfolio mm -hmm. where you have the liquidity, you have the ability to get out within you know, let's say two or three days, right? Yeah. You know, they're liquid securities. You can trade stocks and bonds daily. You can be out probably by the end of the week. Well, 
that's a luxury that people I think abuse. I look at a portfolio like in a way a private company. Mm-hmm. If you built a private company, right. you're not going to sell it at the bottom of the market because you know the value and the resiliency of that portfolio of, of your company long term. Right. Look at your publicly traded portfolio the same way. Mm-hmm. Don't sell it on a whim. You wouldn't sell your house on a whim. Right. You know what it's worth. Right. And you're not going to sell at the bottom of the market if you can avoid it. Right. Same thing with a public portfolio. Don't let the liquidity become your enemy. So don't, yeah, basically don't panic when the market goes down. Expect it. Absolutely. Yeah. Instead of panicking, expect the the volatility, like you said earlier. So, um, no, that's fantastic. What are, if you go back to you when you were 20 or 30, what's some advice that you give yourself, you know, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, just for people getting started in the business or they've been around for a while, but they haven't, you know, they hit a wall, they haven't been able to you know, get really successful at investing, what have you, what would be some good advice you could tell yourself? Yeah, um, Adam, I think at the end of the day, we're in a relationship business. Okay. And you're going to get as much out of it as you're willing to put in on behalf of your clients. And I, I think the durability of relationships with clients is driven by communication. You know, I don't have to be the world's greatest asset allocator. I don't need to be the world's greatest stock picker. But you need to be there, um, you know, each and every turn in the road for your clients. And it's just time on task, you know, taking care of your clients, continuing to educate them, taking best practices to them. And, you know, in terms of, you know, building your own practice or helping to build a firm, keep your eye on the horizon. Do what's best long term for your clients and if you do that, everything else will take care of itself. And that's really good advice. So basically pay attention to the long-term, not the short-term, and then also focus on those relationships because that's critical. Absolutely. No, Absolutely. And then if you had, let's say, a, for a lot of people that are come into 2020 with COVID, all that fun stuff, there's been a huge amount of these individual traders coming into the market and uh, people with small amount of money, 5000 10000 even $100,000. What advice, if you, if you had to start over with $10,000, you know, is there something that you would specifically do or what can we tell these, you know, people that are smaller or newer into the investing world, as far as just some good things to do and do things not to do? Yeah. You know, it's, I, I, I think there's, you know, there, there's, there's folks now, I don't know how many folks are out there day trading single stock positions or they have a two or three stock portfolio. I think longer term, that, that could be dangerous mm-hmm. to their financial health. And I wouldn't get too excited about short-term success. I mean, anyone who's bought Apple, Amazon, Netflix, you know, the giant growth stocks, they've been phenomenally successful over the last 18 right. months, maybe two years. Right. But that can be deceiving. I wouldn't build a business model around that or a portfolio around that strategy. I would, you know, even think about just diversifying more, perhaps using index funds, maybe sector specific, maybe more market oriented hedge funds, or excuse me, um, index funds. ETFs so are- be careful with concentrated portfolios. Oh, that's really good. They, they work for very short periods of time. And when they work, they can be hugely successful, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a risky long-term strategy. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword because when they don't work, they're not successful. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it comes back and really hurts. Makes perfect sense. And then finally, uh, Colin, what's the best piece of advice you can share with the audience, whether it's on Wall Street or just in life in general? 
You know, I'll stick to, to, to Wall Street, you know, and again, I, I think in terms of, you know, building a business and a practice and you want it to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And you do that by building trust with your clients, doing the right thing for your clients and, you know, making sure that they fully understand the ramifications of what a portfolio can do for them. And frankly, what it can't do for them. Right. It doesn't solve all their issues, but it can solve a lot of them at least along the financial lines. But again, I think it's all based on communication and long-term integrity in, in the business and a commitment to the business and being willing to change and adapt to an environment that's always changing given technology, uh, new products, changing markets. Uh, we're living through a very interesting time now and we've had a, a historic drawdown. Yep. And then we had a, a historic recovery. So, in a historic amount of time, too. <laughs> yes, in, in, yes, in a historically short period of time. Right. Right. We had the worst, we had a really significant bear market and a very significant bull market all within, you know, six months. Right. So well, there's never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Exactly. Well, Colin, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Adam, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure.